From Traverse City, Michigan, this is Real Fairies Radio. In our experience, fairies are real, and we're here to talk about them. I'm Natalie Lynn, and this is my sister. And I'm Susan Hajar. And yes, they certainly are real. So, we said it. Fairies are real. To some of you, this is old news, especially those who are familiar with our website, realfairies.net. To others, this may be a bit out there, but we're hoping you'll keep an open mind as we take you on this journey. Welcome to our seventh podcast. Things have been rather chilly here in Traverse City, Michigan, but lately we've been experiencing a January thaw, so we're feeling pretty good right now. Work on our mini projects is going well, and if you'd like to know more about what we've been up to, please check out our recent update blog post on realfairies.net. In this podcast, Mr. E is going to start off by talking to us about sensing energy. He feels this is an important first step in learning to work with magic. Next, we're going to share a few audio clips taken from an interview done for our upcoming book with a gnome named Gilby. As you will hear, gnomes tend to be shy and concerned about their safety, and they most definitely prefer the company of other gnomes. Following that, we're going to talk about a group of beings known in Mr. E's world as the Children of Oon. For years, you've heard us refer to them as the Unseelie or the Dark Elves, but we've finally gotten their true name and a little insight into who they are and why they want to destroy humankind. Lastly, as always, we will end with our Ask Mr. E segment, and Mr. E will answer as many of your questions as time will allow. If you have just happened upon this podcast and don't know who Mr. E is, or who we are for that matter, I urge you to listen to our first podcast entitled How It All Began. There, we explain our connection to Mr. E and the fairy realm and why he is here talking with us. That podcast and much more information can be found on our website, realfairies.net. All right, let's begin. Up first, Mr. E talks about how to learn to sense energy, an essential skill everyone needs in order to protect themselves, and a necessary element to working with magic. You were saying it would be good to learn how to start to sense energy. What I'm talking about right now is the kindergarten level of things. It's a prerequisite, though, to learning more about magic. Yes, it, it right? is. You have to learn about energy before you learn about magic, because that's what it is anyway. And you have to learn about it, in a sense, but also be able to perceive it. Right, be able to feel it. And how would you perceive it? How would you put yourself in a position to know more? Um, like if you sent your little feelers out. You've all got little yes. feelers. You know, if you sent your feelers out to the neighbors, then you could tell what's going on in there mm-hmm. and what their energy feels like you know it yes. feels a different way than your own that's a good exercise yes and not just with that but like even just an unknown house somebody else's house you don't even know who lives there just put your feelers out and say what does this feel like when you say put your feelers out you're reaching out to feel that energy yes you're reaching out to feel your energy but you don't take it in but you're right. feeling it uh-huh. from a distance you right. put your feelers out and so you go, what is that thing, you know? And you feel it, and you and you touch it with your feelers, your energy feelers. And then you go, oh, I see what lives in here. There's a sense of loneliness here. There's a lady here that lives here all by herself. There's lots of loneliness. She's got, oh, what, a feeling here? Oh, there's a cat involved? Oh, well, that's good. You know, she's got uh-huh. at least her cat. But her family doesn't call her often enough. You know, these are yes, different exactly. little things you could feel. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, over, you know, neighbors, it's a, I don't want to go into that. 
If there's something really negative, you just don't want to feel it anymore. Oh, right, exactly. You know, when you touch the outside rim uh-huh. and you go, oh. It's not going to hurt me to feel that, but I just really don't want to get involved. You don't in want that. to dive into that. Yeah. Really, I mean, even like little guy here. Like cat? Fe- this cat. A lot of selfishness. Yes, that sounds right. And disregard for most of everything else. I would say that sums him up perfectly. And what about Max? He's one of our German Shepherds. Uh, the sense of nervousness, of never-ending, of something in the back of his mind. He's not feeling safe. He does never feel completely safe. Well, he spent many years being abused before we got him. Yes. Uh-huh. And, you know, Sky, I don't feel that way. With this one, I feel that. I feel that back tension, like, okay, I'm calm now, but if anything happens, I'm on the job, you know, I've got to do this, because I think that something is going to happen, and it's going to harm my people, or myself. Uh Uh-huh, that definitely sounds like Max. So if people listening try this, and they don't feel anything, what should they do? Then they need to go deep within themselves, and really... Like a meditation? Yes, and try to feel. I mean, sometimes people don't like feeling their own feelings. Yeah. And those people are going to have more trouble than the other people. Right. You must know who you are first, and you know your feelings from their feelings. You see what I'm saying? When you don't want to face your own feelings, you're going to have a problem. Then you'll also be manipulated by other things. You know, and that is really important. There's your nugget. That's a very important information. Because if you don't know what's going on here... Inside your own self. Exactly. Like how you're feeling and thinking. And being honest about how you're feeling and thinking, then you won't know... You think Your it's feelings your... from anybody else. Exactly. You won't be able to project in the test out. Which is powerful to know what other people are thinking. And it's most important to know how you're thinking. Yes, of course. Because you can always change it within yourself. Yeah. But you can't get to the step of... Feeling other people's energy until you... Until you know which one's your own. It takes a while sometimes. Yes, it does. It's not a quick fix. Up next, as promised, we share three audio clips with a gnome named Gilby, who graciously consented to be interviewed for our upcoming book. Could you tell me, since you are channeling through Susan and I can't see you physically... Are you a male or a female? I'm a boy. Okay. and A male. A male. I'm not quite a boy anymore. I used to be a boy. I mean, well, we all start out small and then we... And some start out small so... and it still end up smaller. <laughs> yes, that's true in your case. It's all perspective. Yes. Do gnomes tend to be kind of, uh, I don't want to say shy, but... We are very, very shy of humans. We do not like them most of the time. Because you aren't really that human friendly. Mm, I, we don't hate them. We just avoid them. Now, do you come in contact with them? Are you on the human side sometimes? Very rarely. But you could be. It is possible. Is it a situation where you come through a hole in the veil? Mm, yeah, sometimes there's a rip and we didn't realize it. You can find yourself, like pixies do, and... And brownies. Yeah, they find themselves sometimes, in our world, temporarily. Exactly. And that's why humans need to be careful. Not to hurt you. Right. Are you aware that there was a book about gnomes Mm, written? Yes. Did the gnomes cooperate with that book? Yes. And what was the reason for doing that? Uh, They wanted to paint ourselves at least to be friendly, so that if they did see us, that they wouldn't be afraid of us. So it concerned you that humans might be afraid? Yeah. You know how humans are when they do not know something. They like to take and dissect things. 
In other words, their reaction to something they don't know is fear. Exactly. And so they might react in a violent way. Exactly. And we were trying to avoid that. We don't want to be hurt. We want to be left alone more than anything else. Does your wanting to be left alone extend to other beings besides humans? Elves, for example. We don't usually mingle with them much either. I mean, we're not part of their society, if you know what I mean. I do. We are on our own. Why is that, do you think? Because that's why we like it. We're self-sufficient. That way, we don't have to deal with whatever else is going on out there amongst themselves. We stay away from elven politics. Save the elven wars going on. You don't Neither care. side is going to affect us. They will not hurt us because we will stay out of the way. You're under the radar. They hardly notice us at all. So that, you would say, is your plan for survival. Just yes. stay out of everyone's way. Yes. You know, low profile. Is that based on experience, that when you were more visible, you drew their attention? Yeah, we drew too much attention. That was a long time ago. We have a statue here of what many people would consider to be a typical gnome. Would you say this is a good representation of your people? It's a fairly good resemblance of what we look like, but the thing about the gnomes that you don't realize is that not all of us are chubby. And Fair sometimes enough. you just don't realize we're a gnome. We don't always look like that. So people would say, I don't know what that was, but... Right, exactly. I think that we were depicted that way on purpose to make us look friendly. For the same reasons we talked about before? So that humans wouldn't be afraid of you? Yes. Like a jolly old elf, only you're little. Yes. Uh-huh. But that's not the case. No, we're not always jolly. Right now you seem kind of serious. I am very serious most of the time, but that's just me. Now, we talked earlier about the fact that gnomes aren't always chubby. I believe that's the word you used. Yes. Is there anything else that humans might be surprised to know about you? We have unusual abilities. Okay, what would one of those abilities be? Our size doesn't necessarily equal our strength. So you're stronger than you I'm, look. We're stronger than we look. Can like you, we could move a big rock or something that other people would think that we couldn't move. Well, that's a wonderful ability to have. Anything else? Well, okay. We are fast. Meaning that you move very quickly? Quicker than most people would think? Yes, very much so. Well, now that you've mentioned how fast gnomes can move, I think Susan and I have actually seen you. Well, not you specifically, but a gnome out in our backyard. Mm. And it seemed brown when we saw... We were brown lots of times. And blurry. Maybe because between the veil, you know. And it was moving at an unnatural rate. Speed. Here's a recent conversation Susan and I had about possibly encountering a gnome in our backyard. I was talking with Gilby the gnome about what we saw out in the backyard. Right. And I didn't know until he said that they were unusually fast that what we saw was probably a gnome. Yes, it was brownish in color. He tells me that they wear brown a lot. So. Mm-hmm. I think because they want to blend in. Yeah. They were trying to stay invisible if yeah. possible. Um, it was going extremely fast. I mean, it was like faster than anything you've ever seen. And there was something different about the way it was moving. I mean, in addition to being fast, it was sort of like gliding. I've never seen an animal move like that. I, at first I thought rabbit, but then why don't I see a shape of a rabbit? No, it didn't have that shape. Mm-mm. It wasn't a rabbit jumping. Yeah, it was different. It was very strange.
Many who are familiar with Mr. E know there's a war being fought amongst the elves in his world over the survival of humanity. The whys and hows of this war is a topic for another time, but today we're going to talk a little bit about the elves who are fighting against Mr. E and the coalition of eight nations that were formed to protect humanity. Through the years, we've referred to these elves, for lack of a better name, as the Unseelie and the Dark Elves, but we never really felt comfortable using either of those names. Recently, when I asked Mr. E for the name these elves go by in his world, his answer was, I don't think they want their name known, but their official name is the Children of Un. Up next, we're going to learn a little bit about the Children of Un from recent conversations I had with Mr. E. His years of first-hand experience make him uniquely qualified to talk to us about them. Here's Mr. E. What can you tell us about the Children of Un? Uh, this particular group is on my side of the world. They're on the other side of Finn, in that area. Well, even if they're in one location like that, they must have a worldwide influence. Right. This is one of the groups that are against what we're trying to do. Which know. is, they want to destroy humanity for what would look like a good reason from their point of view. And we would prefer to keep them alive. They want to stop the destruction of the Earth, and there is plenty of evidence that the, that the humans are doing that. Right, and they see the humans as an invasive species. You can sort of see why they think that way, but their solution isn't a good one. Their solution, in my opinion... This and is, the opinion of a lot of people. And this is my opinion for sure, is that if they did wipe out humans, they would also lose something as well, something great. They don't see the whole picture. And I think that the true answer of this whole thing is that humans are not black or white, but there's a variations of gray here. You know, there are areas where humans are doing a terrible job, and yes, that needs to be stopped. But then there are parts where there's beautiful, wonderful humans. There's good and bad out there. You know, you can't just say that it's one or the other. From what you've been saying, there doesn't seem to be much common ground between your people and the children of Un. It's a different religion. It's different from our way of living. They have different values. They think this is great. We think that's horrible. Oh, that's not a good idea. You know, I right. mean, it's like the opposites. We're opposites of each other in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. The yin and yang. The children of Un are so named because they are followers of the goddess Un. Right. So who is Un? Can you tell us what she values and teaches her followers? Un is uh, a great protector. Um, Their job is to protect, protect, protect. Protect their people? Protect their people, protect their possessions, protect their goals, protect everything. They're very, very defensive. Uh They're not warm and cozy. The values, then, that she projects to her followers are... Look out for number one, which is you, always. In other words, you first and foremost. Right. Which, in some ways, is partially right, but it's not the whole thing. Well, when it's out of balance like that, then... Right. She is out of balance. She is like... She's all one side. But it is in balance in a way because there's an opposite side. Right. There's another one who does the other way. There's another goddess who balances her out. Right. And somewhere in the yeah. middle is where everybody should be. So going back to Un, she would inspire... Anger... Or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anything to do with protecting her needs or goals. At the cost of others. At the cost of anything, yes. Yeah. Why do they follow her then? They think that that is the way to gain the power.
If the children of Un were to win the war against you guys, how will they then go ahead and, and destroy humans? The same way they're trying to do it now. Which is? They're trying to make humans destroy themselves. How? By the poisons and stuff that they're creating. They uh, go into the human's mind and tell them to do bad things. Right. They make them want to kill themselves, be alcoholics, do bad kill things. Kill other people, murderers, rapists. Uh-huh. The maimers, the abusers, the hitters, the uh, the drug Negative abusers, effect. the ones who like to, to hurt themselves with drugs, uh-huh. the alcoholics. And those would be the unsee uh, influence. Yeah. Everything that's dark and dangerous to any human. It's time for a final segment, Ask Mr. E. If you have a question you want answered on a future podcast, go to our website at www.realfairies.net. Today, we're going to start with your written questions, followed by a recorded question. Our first question comes from Nature Lover. Hi, I'm new here. I have a few questions. One, do the elves and other fae read human storybooks about fairies? I just thought it would be quite fun to read about themselves. People like me in particular have done just that. We went and explored finding out what they think they know about us. So yes, we do know about the legends of of what you've got there, books and fictional stories and whatnot. You know, we want to know right offhand, where do we need to start? What's our preconceived notion already about what we are? And then how do we correct that is part of my job, you know? Because a lot of times we influence them and help them make their stories. Are you talking about like back to the Brothers Grimm and all those stories, fairy tales? The Grimm fairy yes, tales? we could go that far or even more recent than that. I think it makes sense that you would already be aware of all of that. Oh yes, we're very aware. It's important for us to know what you're already thinking of us in the first place and where do we need to go from here where the truth lies, you know. But aside from people that are trying to connect with humans like you are, just in your everyday town... Oh, right, an ordinary would, town. Would they know stories about fairies that come from our world? Not your average elephant person would know that, I don't think. Okay, part two of this question is, I found a song named Sleep Song by the band Secret Garden on YouTube. It's hauntingly beautiful, and many people commented that they find it familiar, even though they've never heard it before. Is it magical in some way? So you just heard this song. Yes, I did. So what do you think? Well, songs can be magical. Can they weave a spell? Is that what you're saying? If you're the one singing it, you can. Mm. If you know what you're doing. I mean, there are works of the sirens that they do all kinds of crazy things like that. But the sirens aside, just yes. your average person that's singing in a tavern, could they use it to do such a thing? If they were a magical person, if they truly wanted to, I'm sure that it's possible. But your realm, it's different because your density is like thick as pudding. So uh, if you're going to throw a ball in the middle of pudding, it's going to take a long time before that ball actually reaches the other side. You know what I'm saying? Yet there are stadiums full of people listening to people sing. So maybe they have some magic themselves. All right. It's possible. It's possible. In a certain way. Not that they're consciously creating the magic. Right. Exactly. Now, back to the question about this song. Do you think this song is magical? Well, I think it's a very sweet and lovely song. Um, I can't tell if there's anything coming off of it exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I understand. Okay, final question on this subject. Could you imagine hearing this song in your world? It's possible, yes. A song similar to this Yes, this is a world. type of music we might have. Yes, it's very easily.
All right, the next question is from Jane Park. I have a question for Mr. E. As names have power in his realm all the way to ours, if that's the case, is there another name that's given and has less power over a person? I mean, you don't say hey there every time you want to talk to someone. So do you understand what she's asking? You know how it's forbidden to speak to the person's name she's thinking. Oh! If, if names have power, are you careful with names in your world? In our world, it's a little bit different. Okay. Um, we don't like the humans knowing our name. But it's okay for you to know each other's name. Yes, it's all right that way, yeah. Our last written question comes from Jazeera. Beautiful name. It is pretty. Hi, Natalie and Susan and Mr. E. I've been a fairy fan for as long as I can remember. I believe that I have seen some with my naked eye on a couple of occasions. Can you ask Mr. E this question? Is it possible to be half mythical creature and half human if both your parents are human? For example, I'm a big believer. I'm supposedly human. It's just that when I go into a forest or woods, I feel as if I can be free. When I was little, I pretended I was a fairy and an elf. Is it possible that they can give you that gift? I think she's asking if it's possible to either get a gift from a fairy in the forest and become one, or uh, she's a supposedly human, but she doesn't feel it. Well, all I can see to that is that um, when you're born in a human body, you have to remember it is a human body that you are born into. However, sometimes our elven souls end up in human bodies. We come down here to experience mankind, to see how we can redirect and help them. This is very true. There's many situations where this has happened. So, so no. even if you have two human parents, like she does, right, doesn't mean that you don't have the soul of an elven being. But you've got to realize... And you have to live this human life. You have to live your human life with your soul as it is. You know what I'm saying? Maybe to connect to other people a little more like you would be great, so you feel less lonely. But um, you're not going to be able to sprout wings and, and butterfly around. You know what I'm saying? Well, right. That would be if you were a pixie. Which right, I'm sorry. I don't believe they do that very often, come into human bodies. Mm, no, pixies avoid that. They've got their own business. <laughs> so they've got plenty to do. First of all, they have more of a hive mentality, exactly. so that really wouldn't work for them no, very well. No, it doesn't. That would not benefit them much at all. So we can really pretty much rule out a pixie. All right. But it's very possible that it could be some other type of being. Yes, you could have the soul of something else. Mm -hmm. If you do feel different from other humans, sometimes that's what the case is. You are different. You are different, but you have to embrace your difference and do what you can to help the earth with your difference, I suppose, would be the best suggestion. Our last question for Mr. E today will be an audio question from L. Hi, my name is L. I live in Northern California with my husband and kids up on a sunny hillside in the mountains on eight acres. We're slowly developing our property to be an organic farm and a music slash creative retreat. Our dream is to create a sanctuary for artists who want to reconnect with nature and spirit and share this message and to create a sanctuary for animals, bees and the fae and other elementals. How can I go about finding a being or beings that I can continually work with to bring this dream to life in a way that benefits the Fae, etc.? 
I feel I need as much help as I can get from their realm. And I've tried to hear them in the past, but I feel I've been unsuccessful. I do resonate with fairies, nature, and magic very much. I have often had dreams and visions of myself being a fairy. I believe this is why my dreams are as they are. My last question is, do you believe that some humans were once fairies or other elementals? And why would we be humans now? Thank you. All right. What she's asking is she wants to connect with a fae being or beings that she could work with on an ongoing basis for the benefit of both sides in order to bring her dream for her property to life. She's tried before and she can't hear. She doesn't think. All right. Well, you know what I did notice is that she dreams about these things. Sometimes what you don't realize is when you're asking for help, sometimes we can reach you in your dreams a lot easier than you can hear us in your mind. It's certainly at first. Uh, yes, especially at first, mm -hmm. because you need to get used to our energy level, what it sounds like and what it feels like when it's coming into your head. Susan's got this very interesting thing. She hears me from uh, one side of my head, of her head. Yeah. Her head, my head. Well, it's our <laughs> Right head. now it's your <laughs> Right now, we're borrowing it. You know, we're borrowing the head. But she hears it from the right side. She hears the fairies. And then the, the left side, she hears dead spirits, people that have died. Ghosts or whatever. Yes, like. and other things in that dimension. Yeah, she has always said that. It depends on where it comes from. So I think that it takes a little bit of learning to hear the fairies. I would be pretty sure that there is something on her property. Oh, I am sure there is. I mean, where there is nature, there is fairy. Yes. What I'm thinking is she could go to a certain place that she considers sacred or powerful. Right, exactly. And, and spend 15 minutes there on a daily basis. Right. Eventually, she's going to hear something. Yes, you have to trust what you hear in your head. Yeah. It's you know, hard that's a lot of it too. You have to you have to trust what you hear. Yes. You know, you might have been hearing them the whole damn time, but you didn't realize that that's what you are hearing. Exactly. You know, because it, they they come in thought forms. They do, and they can somewhat sound like your own thoughts, but they're not. Exactly. They're different. Exactly. They're very different. They have their own independent mind. She didn't ask about this, but I would suggest that maybe she reaches out to some of the trees as well. Oh, yes. Trees have great spirits in them, you and, know. And they're uh, connected to, to everything. Yeah. So if you really want to connect to the fairy, try through there. That's a great telephone line. It is. They'll tell you where the fairies are at. And, uh, yes. you know, they'll, they'll pass along your message. They will. Like I said, I guess if I wanted to contact them, it's like that. I would make a sacred space. I would put something there. Uh, a bench to sit on. I would make kind of like an altar there and I would go there on a regular basis until I heard something. Right. You know, yeah. offer a little bit of whatever. Yeah, something natural, something that's giving back to nature a little bit. That no. is true too. And so I do think it's very possible to build an ongoing relationship with someone or something out there be oh, yes. beyond a doubt in my oh, mind. Yes, it's very easy. Now, another question that she asked was she feels that she was a fairy. Or an elf, perhaps, in another life. In a former life. She said, do you believe some humans were once fairies? And why would we be humans now? Well, we just answered a question that was sort of similar. Well, I know you know the answer to that uh, one. The reason why we are humans now, and there are many of us that are doing this, mm -hmm. is because of the problems that the humans have been creating lately. And we need to sort of counteract that. What they do is they are born a human. A fake soul in a human body. It's not like... You're part fae in the human body. It's not like fae blood. Yeah, yeah, we don't have like fae blood. You've got, you've got regular human blood, but you've got a fae soul. And the reason we chose the body as a human is because the humans are having so many problems these days 
with how to care for the earth and whatnot. And we need to stand here as a beacon to show people how it should be done and redirect humanity so that they can be able to survive much better and without destroying the planet that we are all living on. So how can this help her with what she wants to do? Well, now, if you really feel you are a face soul, I would do a lot of meditating and working on trying to remember who you were. And this can be to her benefit because you were saying one other time that, that you don't come into this world here, the human world, as a face soul without a support team. Right. You need a support team uh, and- on the other side to help you around. We're all telepathically connected, especially with your family members. You're telepathically connected always. My point is that she probably does have a support team if she truly is a face soul in a human body. And that just might help her when she wants to make a connection. You know, eventually, uh, if she quiets her mind enough, she'll hear. Right. And entertain the possibility that there, there may be somebody out there. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of that people wants out there. That wants to help yes. talk to her. Yes. And do this project she wants to do, which is a wonderful way to do what the elves are trying to do, which is bringing humans closer to nature. Exactly. And right. I think that's a very important task to achieve. Yes. I think it's a wonderful thing to do. Yes. That concludes our seventh podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you for all of your wonderful questions. If we didn't answer your question today, stay tuned, and we'll most likely answer it soon in a future podcast. More from Mr. E, Gilby the Gnome, and many others can be found in our upcoming book, Interviews from the Fairy Realm, due out soon. You can sign up to be notified when our book is released at www.realfairies.net slash ourbook. Thanks again, everyone. We look forward to seeing you next time.